The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Hannah Elliott. And this is Hot Pursuit. All right, so just to introduce ourselves, because I realize we haven't been in the last few episodes, I'm a financial journalist. I anchor a show on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, but I've been focused on the car industry for a good 20 years. And I'm Hannah Elliott, and I've been writing about cars for about the same, about 20 years, first for Forbes and now for Bloomberg. I just had my 10-year anniversary for Bloomberg. And I focus on the fun stuff, the luxury brands, um, the collectible things, the things that you might aspire to buy and collect. I always say Bloomberg often tells you how to make money, but I'm going to help you spend your money. Yes. Hannah (laughs) Hannah focuses on the luxury stuff and the the collector's market and the sort of high end. I'm interested more in the trucks and kind of the rugged stuff. I like American muscle. and But we overlap in our love for Porsches, for example. It's a Venn diagram of sorts. Yes, it is. And motorcycle riding, of course. Also true. Uh, Also true. Um, I remember when you first came here and I was like, cool, she rides bikes also. (laughs) Um, Here being to Bloomberg. Uh, Let me uh, go through the topics that we're going to cover today for our listeners. We're going to kick it off with Porsches. We're going to talk about a very interesting Porsche that you drove and some of the stuff that Porsche is doing in is it skunk works the right word in kind of their off-road you know, racy segment? They never use that term, but I think that's a good term for it. They kind of say, oh, it's the stuff we do on Saturday mornings when we are having our coffee that, and, and talking. That's very cool. Yeah. So we'll yeah. talk about that. Um, we're also going to talk about the Ford F-150 Lightning, because not only did I drive it last week, and I ended up having a great time uh, with it, it was incredibly useful, but also they've introduced a new off-road, kind of raptorized version of the Lightning that they plan to bring to King of the Hammers. I love it. I think this is a really bold move, and more automakers should do this type of thing, and I'll, I'll call out some names later. Yeah, and they're doing a ton of it. I think they're yeah. putting more into their race program this year than they ever have at Ford. We're also going to cover something that, you know, I love recent classics, or I love newer used Define cars. recent, Matt. Define five I, years, 10 years? Yeah, you know, 10, 20 years. Uh, 20 is maybe even too far back. I like recent cars because they're safe and they have all the tech that I need, but they've already taken the depreciation hit. And I've found one very interesting in the 2016 BMW M4 GTS. It's That's so cool. weird and unique that I'm excited to talk about it and hear what, what you think as well. But let's kick it off with Edith, first of yes. all. Tell us who Edith yes. is. So we touched on this last week before I, after I had driven her, but before the embargo lifted. And Edith is this uh, chopped up 911 Carrera 4S that Bloomberg took to the top of a volcano in Chile and set an altitude record. Of Wait, over Bloomberg? 20- 
Sorry, that Porsche. <laughs> Porsche did. Let me rephrase that. We don't have our own skunk works yet, but maybe that's maybe Matt and I'll start that. Porsche took it to the top of this volcano and set an altitude record for over 22,000 feet above sea level. It, they they are claiming it's the highest that any machine, two wheels or four wheels, has ever driven. Um, and, and the car was driven by Romain Dumas, this amazing French driver. Um, he does a lot of off-road and hill climb stuff. So that's very cool. So um, Porsche, I think, is just trying to get some mileage out of the car. It's a it's a one of one. They actually have, well, they have two of them. They're slightly different, but they uh, invited e- Edith me. Edith is one, right? Uh, named Edith for is Edith one. Piaf. And exactly. the other one has an equally old sounding name. The other is Doris. I mean, yes. they're basically named after some of the engineer's grandmas. They, I said, well, where do the names come from? And they're like, well, we like Edith Piaf and it was driven by a Frenchman, but also that's my grandma's name. And I think the same applies to Doris. Um, but I, I went out in Malibu and drove them on this very cool off-road course. I actually drove both. Um, I only rode about the Edith drive because that was the record-setting car. But I drove both, and um, they're actually seven-speed manual cars, Fun. which I, I've never driven a manual off-road. I've driven a bunch of things off-road, but they all happen to have automatic. These were seven-speed manual, but it's a type of manual that, you know, First gear is like five miles an hour. Second gear is like 10 or 15 miles an hour. It's very, very, very reduced ratios so that you can really crawl over boulders. Um, Porsche was big to say, look, these cars are not like the the 911 Dakar that we saw that they're selling. That's like a $220,000 car. These are not for sale. That the Dakar is for you know like driving fast across sand. These are for crawling over rocks. So yeah, I I did some rock crawling. I blasted up some hills as fast as as fast as Edith would go. Um, and I mean, talk about loud clanging. The insides completely stripped. It's literally a steel cage. There's one seat in it. There's a hydraulic handbrake. There's onboard oxygen. It was pretty wild. And I have to say, it was so fun. My takeaway was, hey, the car's great, but a record in Chile is a bit remote and not exactly relevant. Why don't we put these cars in something like King of the Hammers or something like put it in a public race and put your money where your mouth is? Yeah, I mean, I haven't uh, gone to King of the Hammers, but I love um, these vehicles built for the Dakar or built yeah. for the Baja, you know, the fast ones. And in the truck world, they're a lot, the Raptor obviously is one, and the TRX yeah. is kind of along those lines. But um, you got you got to go to like a Dodge a Power Wagon for more like a, a rock crawler or really a Jeep, right? Um, some Broncos are outfitted for rock crawling. Some Broncos are outfitted for speed. These Porsches are outfitted for the rock crawling thing. And I just, yeah. for me, I don't feel like it would be as much fun, but I've never actually done it. So maybe if I did some rock crawling, I would understand the uh, enjoyment of sloth. It is, that's a good way to put it. It is so fun and in California especially in some of these desert states it's such a wild culture you know King of the Hammers is starting next week um, and it's what, gonna, King it's, of the Hammers have like a, a number of different events or what, yeah, what is it's, it? It's, yeah it's 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 a big um, it's a big series of races out in the desert a couple hours outside of Los Angeles and people build their own and corp- and uh, companies build their own trophy trucks that's sort of a generic colloquial term for these big rock crawlers that will literally climb up the side of 
a mountain, for lack of a better word. They're really, it's amazing what they can do. And none of this is high speed. It's kind of slow motion. You might almost think it's a little bit boring to watch because it is extremely technical and extremely slow. And admittedly, it's really niche, which I think is why Porsche isn't making more Ediths. You know, this is so niche. The Edith is not even road legal. You can't have her on the open road. This is really niche. But it's fun. It's a. It's kind of an expensive hobby. It sounds like, <laughs> wow, you're just out in the desert with some trailers. And, like, it's actually really deceiving because, yeah, you're out in the desert for a week and you look, you know, like you haven't bathed. And it's very Mad Max slash Burning Man. But right. that's actually cool. And there's a lot of money behind it. So I, I was listening to Eddie Alterman um, with Ezra Dyer, the, these road and track guys. And they were talking about the success of the faster off-road vehicles, like a Raptor or a Dakar also. Because not only are they more capable than anyone um, really needs to go to Starbucks, but um, they're great for commuting in urban areas. These The rock-crawling vehicles, they're not going to have the same kind of... Appeal to no. your average commuter, right? No, um, but so you you've know, got to do uh, to go to Moab, or you've got to do a King of the Hammers Death in order Valley, to use these things. Baja, it just completely. strikes me as expensive. It's it's wildly expensive. I mean, fuel, logistics, being out there for a week, and then the trucks themselves are so expensive. But you bring up a really good point, and this is reminding me: even Lamborghini made that off-road Huracan, the Storado, oh yeah, which they are selling, and and I actually had a chance. To drive as well. And that is not a rock crawler, but in a way, that's like the perfect commuter Lamborghini. Totally. <laughs> because normal Lamborghinis are they're a little bit stressful to drive, or they can be, because even if you're just driving over sort of uneven pavement, it's tricky and you've got to really be careful when you're pulling in and out of to, out of, you know, the sunset tower and make sure you don't chin it at all on the on the pavement as you're pulling out. But with something like the Storado, which gives you a little more clearance and um, some some sort of underpinnings that can help prevent against scratching. That's actually a very drivable Lamborghini. Yeah, no the 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 race cars, the supercars, the hypercars. Yeah, um, you know they look cool and the stats are amazing and they're beautiful pieces of art in most cases or in a lot of cases. But um, they would be difficult to drive on the daily. Um, yeah, I feel like Matt Farah. Built his own garage because he didn't want to curb his Countach. You know, probably. I remember him telling me when he was just building it about the minutia of measuring, like the turning angles and the turning radius around every single ramp in that garage. I mean, he he approached it like a complete mathematician. Yeah, th- for that very reason. Yeah, I'll never. For- I've heard him explain that, and that, uh, <laughs> it always sticks in my head as well. Speaking though of King of the Hammers, um, I mentioned the Lightning. I've been driving it for the last week, and to me, it's had such great utility that I've it's it's grown on me. Although okay. I, there's no passion for for the Lightning. Um, you know, when I see it, when I get in it, it's comfortable and it's big, and I like those things. Um, it's capable of holding two rear-facing car seats in the back, which I need right now. It was great in the snow. We had a snowstorm in cool. um, in New York, and it's proved very capable. How's the battery life in the very extreme cold? Because you know that's been in the headlines lately. So I was having so much fun 
doing my sort of charging experiments, like journalistically charging it. <laughs> Scien- very, is this a scientific uh, test? Well, I wanted to see what would what it would be like to live with in the real world. I've heard all these horror stories about Electrify America, and indeed, the wait times are usually long. Not all of them work, um, and it t- and it takes a lot longer than you feel like it should. Plus, to my surprise, it costs a lot. It, to charge, it costs me like sixty dollars to You're charge from twenty percent to eighty percent or ninety percent. Seems like a lot. I know. I thought the whole idea was you get free juice, Eight bucks, and probably yeah. if you buy one, you get a pass for a few years or whatever. And anyway, because I was charging it so much, I didn't have any issue with range anxiety this time, <laughs> um, and I was also able uh, to floor it in sport mode a lot, which was it's so fast, it's so quick. Do but you have just, a charger at your home? No, I. I don't. Oh. That's why I was driving to these Electrify Americas. But n- near me, there are a bunch of them. And in any case, the thing is so useful but boring. And now Ford is going to make a new version of the Lightning for King of the Hammers with the company this is called cool. Switchgear. Yeah, you saw the the release. Yeah, I saw the release. There, I know that they have like extended the track with on the Lightning, and they've improved the ride height. And they've like adjusted the suspension, and they've put in these shock absorbers. It seems like they've kind of given it the Safari Baja treatment that we were just talking about with yeah. Porsche and yeah, and Lamborghini. Like like a Raptor. It seems yeah. like they've Raptorized it. And although because they're working with RTR vehicles to make the Lightning switch gear, um, it's going to be. Not using the term Raptor, I would I would assume, but yeah, a wider track is what they did with the original Raptor. In fact, when they did that back in thirteen or so, or so, um, Ford said no one else could do it because they didn't have hmm. the width on the production lines, hmm. which is pretty cool. Interesting. Um, and I think the uh, instant torque is going to be a huge bonus to the kind of rock crawling or hill climb activities that would be at King of the Hammer. Um, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so I haven't seen the thing either, but when it drops on Saturday, people will have seen it. And they're doing a bunch of other stuff as well. I noticed in the press release, they said um, they're going to build a new version of Raptor, a race version of Raptor for the Dakar, and they're working with the BMW M Sport division. That is so cool. Yeah. So cool. It's like it's kind of weirdly collaborative. Yes. <laughs> I mean... I feel like usually if an automaker uses components or collaborates with another automaker, they don't really talk. They don't talk about it. Like they or don't it's want... somehow shunned as well yes. by the public. You know, everyone yes. was. Everyone seemed so um, offended that BMW and Toyota worked together. Yeah, and they thought the Toyota was too much of a BMW, which is weird. I would think I, you're worried about the BMW right. being too much of a Toyota. Completely. But I love it when car makers work together, and I get why they're restrained a little bit. But let's face it, everyone's using the same at this point um, displacement, right? The two liter four cylinder, or a three liter six cylinder, or a four liter eight. Like, yeah, they're they're all um, using the same plans and spending. Uh, individual money to build these things. Why don't they work together right. more often? And F- Ford has been pretty good about this. They work with Volkswagen. Um, I think in the dawning of the electric vehicle, more and more of them are are realizing, um, yeah, they can invest together. I was just going going to say that I think the really the older, well established OEMs would probably are are doing well to work together. 
um, because as we've spoken about before, there's a whole host of startups and electric guys that are coming to eat their lunch when it comes to electric vehicles. So um, I don't want to put pit it as, you know, it's the old automakers versus the new ones, but I do think the established automakers have a vested interest in figuring out how to um, survive together <laughs> yeah. in this new world. Um, do you get a sense that Ford will be selling this something some at some point will be selling this switch gear or some I mean, you know, future version of it? I would imagine that if it's successful and if they can make it work from a cost side, they will yeah. because they've mm-hmm. made so much money. Um, you know, they started the whole Baja racing truck for sale thing, kind of, and with the Raptor, and then Raptor wildly successful. Yeah, hugely yeah. successful, and the yeah. Bronco has been very successful. And everybody wants one of these. You know, obviously the Jeep Wrangler has been successful for decades. Everybody right. loves these specialized vehicles that are capable of far more than they're going to use them for. Um, the G wagon, you know. Is iconic. The Range Rover, you know, they easily charge two hundred thousand dollars for these things, and nobody takes them off road ever. Right? Yeah, and you know what? In spite of that, I think the real uh, opportunity for the money making is all of the upgrades and add-ons, and all of the off-road kits and gear and all of that. I mean, that's what makes Wrangler so profitable for Jeep, and we've we've had them say this that it's everything else that people are adding on to their off-road truck, whether or not they actually go off-road, that's where the real moneymaker is for the automaker. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think they'll sell the F-150 Lightning switchgear eventually in some (laughs) form, um, if they can make it work from the cost side. This new Raptor race vehicle, I couldn't tell from the press release if it's for racing only or if it's going to be like Raptor R Gen 2. I don't know. I just I'm looking at the material. It says that the truck will take learnings from 2024 and be designed along with the M Sport. And they're going for the outright win. So that's, I mean, yeah, yeah, at Dakar, which again, like this is a prestigious, you know, global uh, long running race. Porsche needs to get in there. I really think if Porsche has such a history of doing adventure races, you you know, Carrera Panamericana, they should do something like this. They need to get in there. And Ford's Uh doing a great job of it. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. We should once again mention that we have an email address, by the way. Oh, yes. For anyone to write in questions or suggestions. uh, What's the email address again? The email address is hotpursuit at bloomberg.net. And hotpursuit at bloomberg.net. And that's Bloomberg, B-E-R-G, in case you are unaware. Exactly. Instead of Borg, (laughs) uh, the German uh, mountain. (laughs) And we should also deep tease 
our guest for next week. Because yeah. while we're talking about race, you know, off-road races and King of the Hammers, um, we have a great guest for next week who has won off-road races and will be, what, attending King of the Hammers or running it? Yeah. So, Emily Miller is the head of communications for King of the Hammers. And more specifically, she is the founder of the Rebel Rally, which is the longest-running off-road rally in the United States. It happens to be for women only. I, myself, have uh, participated in it. I was paired with an amazing navigator named Susie Saxon, uh, who I'm still in awe of because I cannot figure out how she was navigating. It's a type of race where you don't use GPS, you just use um, maps and like compasses and some of those like plier looking things. I don't, I can't, it's I don't not, know how to see that. Non-digital, non-digital. Yeah, but uh, Emily is a record holder. Um, she has driven um, a solo off-road from like Reno to Vegas and set uh, records. And she's going to be with us next week talking about just this culture, um, where the growth is, why automakers are really tapping into it, like Ford, um, why it's important for them to be here. And she's just kind of a badass. I'm a big, big Emily Miller fan. All right. And no relation to me uh, uh, that I know of, <laughs> but very much looking forward to it. So it's, yeah, everyone's getting into it. Porsche's setting uh, altitude records. Ford is going to bring its electric truck to King of the Hammers. And obviously they kicked off um, the whole Raptor TRX, in a sense, kind of power wagon. I know people say, oh, power wagon came before, but <laughs> it, it, the popularity of it soared with release of the Raptor. Everyone, including BMW and the M Sport division, is apparently excited to go off-road. But I want to so talk cool. about an M vehicle that uh, would never go off-road and is apparently difficult even to drive on the road. So, this is the recent classic um, that I think is under maybe undervalued right now. That is the 2016 BMW M4 GTS. Now, I hadn't even heard of this until Yeah, how how did you hear about my this? Na- my neighbor uh is thinking about buying one. He's a total BMW fan and he loves he has an M2 the last generation. He loves a stiff ride. He loves, you know, a manual transmission. Um, he just likes to be in touch with uh, the road. And apparently, tactile. yeah, the GTS, although it doesn't have a manual, fits that, that bill of a very tactile um, vehicle. In fact, a lot of people debate whether it's more just a track car than it is a road car. Let me tell you the weirdest things, though, about it. First of all, it's got water injection, and I'd never heard. What does that even mean? Of this before. There's a five-liter tank in the back that you're supposed to fill with distilled water every three or four times what? you gas up, and then it, with an injector, it shoots it in with the air mixture um, to lower the intake temperature by 80 degrees okay. Fahrenheit, which is pretty okay. cool. It adds 70 horsepower to the normal M4 and 40 pounds of torque, pound-feet of torque. So, you know, you're talking about almost 500 horsepower, I think 440 pound-feet of torque um, in this M4 GTS. And they only made, I think, 700 globally and maybe That's cool. 300 for the U.S. That's um, cool. That's a truly limited edition. Exactly. So, it's this yeah. kind of limited cool. edition that, you know, the previous... Mm-hmm. GTS was an M3 GTS from the E92 generation that you were talking about uh, last week. And they sold, everybody was offended by the price. They're like, why would I pay $130,000 for this M3 GTS? You know, double the price of the regular M3. Well, I've looked on, uh, you know, Bring a Trailer and some other auction sites. They're now going for over 200 grand. Wow. So, 
That's inc- so. But, but, but these we, are not yet. Not the, yet. No, no. Right? These these the, are still. The so the M4 GTS it sold for I think 134, and the regular M4 was uh, 70 grand. So also double the price. But I'm seeing them for 80, 90, okay. 100. Okay. Um, okay. You know, sales made on bring a trailer over the past couple of years, 90 and 100. Um, and of course, wow. the past couple of years have been a crazy time for prices, but they're just not sure. back to the MSRP, which is weird because if you look at limited editions of the BMWs, like you know the CSL or the previous GTS, if you look at limited editions of a 911 or you know any of these high performance cars, they all go for more than the sticker. Yes, almost the second they roll off Eventually. the lot. Yeah. Yes. This is interesting. So why not with the M4? You said it was hard to drive. So, is yeah, that, Jason Camissa did a video, that? which was kind of funny, but I couldn't tell if he um, was angry with the M Sport division or if okay. he was thankful uh, for the M Sport division because he does this whole spiel where it's impossible to get out of his driveway and then every speed bump is difficult because the oh, the front so splitter is so low, low that you're going to oh. rub it on everything it's got a massive yeah. tail and as far as i can tell it's one of only two um road going bmws that comes with a giant wing on the back oh god both, that's embarrassing both the splitter honestly. and the wing are oh, adjustable god. yeah but you know what i would do if i was going to buy one of these things i would take off the splitter and the wing and put them in my garage yes. Yes. I mean, this sounds like the exact opposite of what we were talking about with the um, the commuting commuting Lamborghini. Exactly. I mean, like, it seems difficult to drive. Yeah, that is, it's, it can take the fun out of it. And also, one little scratch on that splitter is going to look, it's instantly going to make it look trashy. Yeah, carbon fiber. I don't know the price of the <laughs> no, splitter, but uh, I know the tail, the wing is a $6,000 wing. Oh. So the splitter's got to be very expensive yeah, as well. Yeah, that's a lot. The the water tank is a $4,000 piece of equipment. So if you have a problem with the water injection, which by the way, the water injection optional? starts at 5,000 RPM. No, it's not optional. Uh, it, you must you must do the distilled water thing. That's the whole point. I mean, you don't have to. You can let it run out of water. And okay. I talked to the BMW techs about it. Wow. If you run out of water, it just doesn't inject at 5,000 RPM. So you don't get that okay. extra boost. Okay. And you do right. have to be driving in that high rev range sure. to enjoy what it. What is it rev to? Do we know? I I don't know. Uh, okay. I don't know that's, the rev limit, but it's yeah. it's high. And th- that's another thing about these super sporty cars. Like They're difficult to drive because of the stiff ride. You don't want to scratch up the splitter. And uh, a lot of yeah. cars... Uh, you have a lot of these kind of cars. You have to be doing five, six, right. seven thousand RPM to right. really love it. And yes, how often are you driving in that rev range? I mean, that's a lot of emotion. That's a lot of. I mean, that's a lot of energy. Like, yes, it is fun to drive aggressive and have like a very spirited drive. But man, that's not every day doing that. Man, sometimes I just want to relax. Do I have right. to do it the, all the time? Which is, which is, I mean, you drove the ST, right? I don't know <laughs> yeah. if, if yeah. it was like that, but the GT3, the Porsche 911 GT3 uh, is like that, and even the Touring, you mm-hmm. still have to mm-hmm. ring it out. That's it's, not it's what fun. I want to do. Yeah, it's fun for an hour, but um, you know, like I don't have the space to keep a car that I would just drive for an hour at a time. Really, it would be nice if I did, but I guess you have to. This seems like this is a very specific tool that is not a Swiss Army knife. Well, this is so, a very specific tool. So I'm going back and forth with my neighbor. Should he get it? Shouldn't he? Okay. So he is the type of person that likes that rough ride. Cool. Okay. And he doesn't put 
um, you know, 15,000 miles a year on his car. Uh, you cool. know, he can work from home sometimes. Um, and he has another, uh, you know, family vehicle, so he can so regular maybe. drive. So I think he would like it. And I think it will increase in value. But I'm just not Sounds sure like if it. he would be able to get over the the drawbacks of having a racetrack car as your commuter. Does it have a roll cage in it? It yeah. has is half. There, a, this is, is an option? So this is another one of the dings on it. Okay. Um, it has, I think... The U.S. version wasn't able, because of regulatory sure. uh, rules, to have a full roll cage, so it only has so the half the cage. Half. It wasn't able to get the carbon fiber buckets, bucket seats, which the European oh. spec ones did have, but yeah. it cost twenty grand if you want to add them onto your car in the U.S. They weren't even able to put the fire extinguisher in back, which mm-hmm. the European models came with. So the U.S. Yeah. model was kind of held back a little bit by regulations yeah yeah i think that's the really interesting thing about like street legal track cars it's you kind of end up feeling like they're half in half out on the track and it's difficult to get one that's kind of perfect because a lot of tracks require a roll cage if you're going to take the car on a track but a lot of these a lot of cars that are sold as you know track ready don't have a roll cage because of exactly what you're saying. Regulations right. don't allow it. So right. And they tricky. also, I mean, the fact that uh, they take a lot of the stuff out of the car and then charge you more, um, <laughs> people, people get angry about that, right? <laughs> Porsche has been doing that for decades. Yeah, genius, really. But uh, I noticed that on this GTS, um, it only has two stereo speakers and they're on the oh. rear okay. deck lid. So that would be weird. Well, um, knowing you, you'd get right in there and get something better. I would. I would definitely get an aftermarket <laughs> solution. And but the previous generation M3 GTS didn't even have a stereo in it. You know these guys that say you should really just be listening to the sound of the engine. That's what everybody on forums says, and it makes yeah, me so angry. I, okay, I'm glad because honestly, half the fun of driving is listening to music. Yeah. I mean, truly, this is this is some of the best times for listening to music, and I never. I never could agree. I've even been in cars where people get in and turn off the radio, and it is very annoying. Yeah, I, I'll <laughs> I'll I'll put the windows down and listen to the engine. Sure. you know, up at Bear Mountain around some some corners. But when I'm cruising there and back, yeah. I want to have like Sabbath on, you know. Yeah. Or I mean, depends what car and what and what mood sure. you're in. But you want to have some driving music on and. Um, what, what kind of driving music do you listen to? It totally depends. Um, it could be like Hole. It could be uh, Jay-Z. Today it was Jay-Z. Um, it could be, <laughs> this is embarrassing, Jack Harlow. Uh, I asked someone about him the other day and he was like, who? Yeah, um, it's not embarrassing because I don't know who that is. <laughs> He's a rapper. Uh, we should remind people to email us. What, what do you listen Please to when you're, when you're driving? Yes. Hot, hot pursuit at Bloomberg.net. <laughs> I'll just mention it one last time. Wait, I have to say one more thing, though. A movie with a great soundtrack, Atomic Blonde, and this is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's got great car scenes in it, and I just rewatched it. And in terms of, like, 80s music and aesthetics and everything, it's perfect nice yeah. i'll rewatch it i liked it the first time yeah. but, uh, so i'll watch good. i'll watch it again excellent well that does it for this week's episode uh join us next week when we talk with emily miller emily miller i'm hannah elliott and i'm matt miller and this is bloomberg
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.